Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. So Melissa, what have you been curious about lately? So Kristen, have you ever heard of lifestyle medicine? Hmm. I cannot be sure that I have. I'm new to the term too, but it's something that I think we really need to know about, as do all the curious mothers. Um, So we happen to have a guest with us today who can tell us everything we need to know about it. Uh, Dr. Laura Pridemore from Elizabeth Pediatrics is here this morning to join us. We are so lucky to have her with us. Welcome, Dr. Pridemore. Thank you so very much for having me. We're so excited to have you here. So let's jump right in. Lifestyle medicine, what on earth is this? So lifestyle medicine is an emerging field of healthcare, and it's interesting to note that 70 to 80 percent of the chronic Western diseases that we see in this world, so the heart disease, the type 2 diabetes, um, the obesity, some forms of cancer, and most forms of dementia can be prevented with lifestyle. So what do I mean by that? So my simple motto is eat, move, rest, connect. So they're like pieces of a puzzle. So what we eat, how we move or not, Mm -hmm. um, how we rest, rest our mind in terms of stress management, how we rest and sleep at night, and then how we connect. How do we connect with each other? How do we connect with nature more than being glued to our telephone or electronic device? And of course, not too much alcohol and not the tobacco. Now I'm in pediatrics, so hopefully I don't have to deal with too much of that. Um, <laughs> maybe a little more in my late high schoolers and my college kids. But, um, but when we do those things well, we can prevent 70 to 80% of the chronic diseases that we see in the Western world. That is That's mind-blowing. Yes. It is. And our healthcare costs right now are currently unsustainable. Right. And, you know, we have to be empowered. And I tell my patients, you know, this is going to give you your best chance of long-term health. We can't prevent everything. Of course not. But do you want to stack the odds in your favor? That's what we want to do. And when we do these four things well, too, we are really improving our immune system. So if we do get COVID, we've got a much better chance of fighting it off. Nice. It, It sort of makes me think like, oh my gosh, as you know, I don't know if this is worldwide or just Americans, but we're sort of killing ourselves. When you say 70 to 80% of our lifestyle or reducing our chance by our lifestyle, that yes. means like, what are we doing to ourselves? Right. And it's interesting if you look at populations around the world. So I don't know if either of you have heard of the book, The Blue Zones. Mm-hmm. So The Blue Zones gives us some clues. So it's a book that Dan Butner wrote it, and he details five areas around the world where they have the longest, healthiest centenarians alive. And Okinawa, Japan, Icaria, Greece, the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California, and um, Nicoya, Costa Rica. So when you look at what they do, they all have very similar lifestyles. So when it comes to eating, they eat mostly plants. They're not strictly vegan. I don't like to get hung up on terms, yeah. but because it, it's too restrictive and it turns people off, but they eat mostly plants, a wide variety of plants. They eat beans every day. If they do eat animal products, it's a small percentage of their meal, or it's an infrequent part of their diet. Mm-hmm. They have regular physical activity and they have social support and mm-hmm. connection. That's such a big one. That's such a big one. I Yeah, I remember I, I had read an article about, I haven't read the book itself, but I read an article about it. And one of the points that they had made was in a lot of these cultures, like regular movement is just part of the 
the way that they move or, or the, part of the way that they live. And I have an, un- I had an uncle who, a great uncle who lived in Germany and he was 94 and he was on a fourth floor walk up. And my husband and I were just totally wowed by the idea that somebody would walk, 94 would walk four flights of stairs. I feel like everywhere in the U.S. you see people moving towards single level homes. And it's amazing to think what that does, like what convenience can do for us that's pretty harmful. Right. They they would garden, they would walk to the store. You know, I mean, just physical activity is is key to their, their daily lifestyles. And we do not do that at all. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing is when you look at people who leave their native countries um, before they are industrialized to the fast foods that we consume mm-hmm. and people who leave their native diet and they move to a Western style diet like here in America, within a generation or two, they are seeing increasing type 2 diabetes and obesity because they have adopted our way of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the easier we've made our life, like the less we have to move, the less we have to go buy our foods, the less we have to prepare. It's like hurting us, even though it feels so nice and convenient. Right. And I get it. And some weeks I'm better than others. So I promise you, I am not perfect. Um, but just in terms of what we eat, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to eating mostly plants and whole mm-hmm. foods. You know, the bowl of fruit for breakfast, not the Fruit Loops yeah. or the fruit gummies for the snack. <laughs> so a roasted potato with your dinner, not the chips and fries. Mm-hmm. So I actually keep in my office, you'll kind of find this interesting. If my patient's moms are listening, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I have five-year-old, Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets in my office. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have a five-year-old McDonald's cheeseburger happy meal, a five-year-old duck donut, and five-year-old Bojangles biscuits. And every single one of them are just dried out with no mold on them. And the cheese on the happy meal, that American creamy processed cheese, it literally looks like a kid's plastic toy. Oh my gosh. That is frightening. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, is that real food? Our bodies don't know what to do with this. And mm-hmm. I know people are like, gosh, but it tastes so good. But what I do is I ask my teenagers, especially especially if they're athletes, I'm like, if you went and ate a bacon double cheeseburger and a pack of fries and a milkshake, are you going to be able to go do your sports? How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Could you get out there on the soccer field and really give it your best? Not so much. So when they start making that connection of how does this make me feel, that really is helpful. Yeah, I wonder about like how you even coach your your the families that you work with because I think that one of the places of resistance we often will run into is the idea that it can be really hard or can feel overly restrictive to try to encourage kids to eat healthier. Um, and I, I would just love to understand like how you approach that with with families who are trying to understand how to incorporate healthier foods. Yeah. Cause I also hear all the time, like, but she's a picky eater. I can't get her to eat anything mm-hmm. else. And, and moms will be like, I'm done trying. I'm just, you know, it's too much. I'm, it's too stressful. We just, I have to get something in her. Mm-hmm. So then here comes the mac and cheese and the, fr- you know, the frozen dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. <laughs> and, and so I think from the get go, it's much easier to start from the beginning and as opposed to undoing the the bad habits. And I'm going to have a caveat here. Definitely there are some kids that have more significant feeding issues. They might have oral aversion. Um, So for those kids, there are definitely a subsection of kids that really need some additional help Mm -hmm. with the trained occupational therapist for the textures or a speech therapist. So 
aside from those kids that have significant issues. You know, around the four to six month mark, when we start talking about food, you know, I pull out my chicken nuggets, I pull all this out. Nice. Um, and I just say, you know, the ultimate goal is to just give your child right now, skip the process. They just don't need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just start with your fruits, start with your vegetables. When they're introducing the foods, getting as many whole foods as they can in on board and also just lots of variety. I mean, there are more fruits than just bananas and grapes Mm -hmm. and apples. I mean, just really exposing your child to just many, many, many different types of fruits and vegetables from the get-go. And of course, always have that sippy cup of water. Mm -hmm. If they don't know what juice is to begin with, they, they won't drink it. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so toddlers coming to the picky phase, I tell my parents, don't use the word picky because mm-hmm. toddlers start to sometime it. Sometimes they eat like a pig. The next day they'll eat mm-hmm. like a bird. One day they'll eat in a carton of blueberries. The next day they won't touch them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's and so, so true. that is normal toddler behavior. So what's really important is to just try to feed on a schedule a reasonable schedule based on their sleep schedule and their activities. Kids in daycare, usually they're pretty much on a schedule anyway. But if we're constantly feeding our kids all day long, they don't really recognize I'm hungry or I'm not hungry. And what are snacks? They're mostly the goldfish or the Cheerios or the crunchy processed stuff. And once the kids start to get the taste of the processed stuff, then parents just think, oh, well, let me just get the chicken nuggets out. I know they'll Mm -hmm. eat that. But at the same time, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, because of course, that stuff does taste really good. Right? Oh, it does. And so, the more we have it in our house, why would we expect our kids wouldn't choose that over the the apple? Right? Of course. And the fast food companies know this. They intentionally flavor um, with fat, sugar, and salt. They also add these preservatives and emulsifiers to get the mouthfeel mm-hmm. just the right perfect crunch or just the right sweetness or just the right creaminess. And our taste buds and our brains are hijacked. So of course, they're going to learn about it at some point. But when they're starting, you know, they have virgin taste buds. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to give them the good stuff. And my family's that follow this and really introduce a wide variety that second six months of life, by the time they get around to the finicky toddler phase, you know, the parent's job is the what, the when, and the where. Mm -hmm. Put out the balanced plate, fruits and or vegetables, a little bit of protein, whole grain, and your job is done. Mm -hmm. And the child's decision is whether to eat and how much. So if you've ever heard of Ellen Satter... When children just grow up with this, mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. And so there's always going to be something on the plate that they like. You know, and it may take 10 or 15, 20 times of introducing something new before a kid will at least lick it or taste it. Mm-hmm. So it just takes patience and just trusting that children know innately how much to eat. Mm-hmm. I love the idea, too, of just thinking about lifestyle medicine is about feeling better right? Like it's, oh my it's about feeling good. And if we really stop and think about not only ourselves, but our children, like our goal is to help them feel good and we need to feel good. And if we really stop and think, 
what am I putting in my body that will actually give me good energy that I'm not going to have a crash from, that I'm not going to have brain fog from? It makes a big difference what you're choosing. Mm -hmm. It does. And for older kids, I just really, again, ask them, how do you feel? And another lesson that I learned, and I'll be honest, my worst parenting mistakes are obviously my best um, advice for my for my pediatric <laughs> patients, but um, I was a little over-restrictive with the treats and the sweets. Well, when we do that, there's a heightened preference for the sweet and a decreased preference for the healthy, mm-hmm. the healthy foods. So last weekend, I went to the store and I let my younger daughter pick out a couple of things. I said, you can pick out whatever. And she got the green Lucky Charms mm-hmm. and the barbecue potato chips. And I said, okay, I'm fine with the Lucky Charms. I said, but just promise me we can only have it on the weekend, you know, because the food dyes make her crazy. They really mm-hmm. do. And so yesterday morning, she got up and had two big bowlfuls and she felt sick. And I'm like, oh, okay. But she made the connection. Mm -hmm. She was old enough to really make the connection. I don't like the way this makes me feel. Mm -hmm. So there's that, when they get older, there's that balance of trying to have some ability for them to have those treats um, and the fun stuff and the junk stuff, but without building up the preference for them. Yeah, that's exactly kind of the space that our family has been in is that I think Melissa and I are very similar in the way that we are incredibly thoughtful and we made sure they didn't have any exposure really a lot to those like high reward, high, you know, high, uh, highly processed foods. And now that I have, you know, a 16 year old and a 12 year old and a 10 year old, I think, you know, the upside is they have a wide range of foods that they eat. I think the thing that I've been really wrestling with is they also now, unfortunately, at times can be really seeking of the sweet and the process because I had placed so many restrictions on it. So it's kind of like I'm learning, I'm, it's really hard to figure out how to find that space of balance. Absolutely. Um, another thing that Ellen said or um, suggests, especially when they're younger, is just that children are allowed to have sweets throughout the week. But here's the thing, and I know you might, most moms will be like, really, you're going to do that? But when you put out a dessert, with the plate, everybody has the same portion. It's just part of the meal. What mm-hmm. the kid's going to go to is the dessert first, right? And it's going to freak the parents out. But when you put it out as part of a meal and don't make a big deal out of it, if they're still hungry, there's still going to be other stuff on the plate. Mm-hmm. So true. And it does work. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to be able to have that trust um, in your child to let them do that. Yes. Well, absolutely. and there's nothing worse than having something super sweet on its own and then the crash afterwards because your body has nothing to like stabilize you with energy. So that's actually a great idea. (laughs) Totally. Can we talk for a second? My family is trying hard to eat less meat. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I, I know this is not the popular thing to say, but I love red meat. I um, I do. So in our, I really hate chicken. I hate turkey. We do a lot of fish. And red meat is just, and it makes me feel good. Like, I don't know. I just like it. We're trying so hard to cut back and we're trying to do meatless Mondays and more meatless dinners, but it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Any advice? So I think when it comes to meat, I think one thing that we really need to be cognizant about is the source and the quality of it. Um, Most of the animals that are raised in our country are raised in horrific conditions and they are cramped. Um, And the factory farmed animals are fed 80% of the antibiotics that we use on a daily basis. So of course, physicians um, will overuse antibiotics when they're not needed as well, but just every day, the meats that are consumed, the animals that are consumed in our society, they're fed antibiotics. And plus, 
the factory farm animals are an environmental disaster as well in terms mm -hmm. of the waste that accumulates and the amount of land and water that they consume. Um, and also just worldwide, like the main reason that the Amazon forest is being leveled is to raise animals. I uh. mean, right. And we don't think about this. And so I think we just really need to first just kind of think about, okay, sure, if you like it, okay, have a smaller piece of a better quality. Yeah. Um, and then just branch out and think about the things that you do like and how can you replace them. I mean, and so a lentil taco instead of a just regular, you know, ground beef taco or just a big pot of bean chili with tons of different beans and a bunch of different vegetables you know, so it's just finding the things that you like, and then how can I change them around? Mm -hmm. That's a great, great suggestion. Talk to us a little bit about the rest component. You know, as a sleep person, I'm always, I always love when I hear people are, are really trying to help promote rest. But I like the idea that you look at it from both a day and a night perspective. Absolutely. So rest for me is two components. It's one, resting our minds. Um, we are just go, 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 and we're just constantly doing, and we're just in this whirlwind of thoughts in our head. And so it's easy to just be on autopilot and not be intentionally present in the moment with our kids. Um, and also just really recognizing what's going on in our body, because once our thoughts our thoughts just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Then we get caught up in this. We're just either scared or we're fearful or we're, you know, anxious or we're worried. And it's just thoughts that pop in. Um, and so learning to really practice just recognizing the thoughts for what they are mm -hmm. without the chasing them. Um, because the more we chase them, it just gets our fight or flight center um, on overdrive. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of um, breathing techniques with the kids in my practice. We've Even before COVID, we were seeing much more anxiety and depression the last mm -hmm. few years anyway. And it's just gone through the roof over the last year, which I know you know that as well. Mm -hmm. So rest is just really being present, being mindful, and being intentional. Mm -hmm. I think this is really good for moms on two fronts. Number one, I think we run ourselves ragged, but number two, I think we sort of overschedule our kids and run them ragged and we forget they need this too. Oh my goodness. I could not agree with you more. And just in terms of the times that we are with our kids, I mean, think about, are we we might be with them in physical proximity, but how much are we engaging with them? And I don't mean we have to entertain our children or be with them 24-7, but how much meaningful time do you have a day with your child? I mean, the mm -hmm. dinner table is really important. Um, I know people, if they have this practice Monday night and this practice Tuesday night, I mean, sometimes they're kind of getting dinner on the go, but I think trying to well, then try to make it a breakfast meal where everybody sits down and tries to be intentional about the time. Carve out some tech-free times. When we're in my car during the day, just running errands, there is no technology mm -hmm. unless somebody's driving the music, yes. the music playlist. <laughs> um, they get a little irritated mm -hmm. with me for not letting them use the phone in the car, but I'm like, mm -hmm. that's the way it is. We're I mean, that's a really big point about the non-technology time yes. because we're learning that our brain reads that as stress, mm -hmm. even if it's good stuff, right? Like even if we're enjoying it, that is stress to our brain. And when we don't understand that and we're like, what? We need some downtime. Go get your iPads. Mm -hmm. We're not giving them downtime at all. No, not mm -hmm. at all. And actually the part of our brain that's responsible for the fight or flight center is called the amygdala. And if you kind of think about it from how we are wired from a creation or evolutionary perspective, however you look at it, you know, 
thousands of years ago, if you were hunting for food in the forest and you're constantly scanning, you might feel okay, but your mind is constantly, your eyes are constantly scanning the landscape for, okay, what's behind that rock? What's behind that bush? What's going to eat me for lunch? You're constantly scanning. Okay. So Mm -hmm. we're wired that way. We're wired to be on alert for danger, but we're constantly scrolling through or flicking through the phone. What's next? What's next? What's next? With the next click, it's getting that amygdala fired up. Mm. So it absolutely turns on our stress response. Absolutely. We have a rule in our house that it's one thing at a time, you know, and so if we're eating, you're just eating. You're not, you know, you're not supposed to have media on. And if you're going to be on media, you're not going to have TV on. And the hard part is, is they can get frustrated with me, but I want them to learn how to not multitask because I feel like the multitasking has really pulled us into this place where we're kind of constantly overstimulated. Absolutely. And I, I do a little math exercises with uh, with my patients, my adolescents to high schoolers. And so if you just kind of think about their 365 days in a year, and if a person does one hour of video games or TikTok, whatever, you do one hour a day, every day of the year, and you divide that by a typical eight hour workday, you get the number 45. So what does that mean? For each one hour of your fun technology a day that you do, that is the equivalent of going to work for an eight-hour work shift 45 days in a row with no weekends off Mm -hmm. and no vacation days off. Oh, my gosh. Right. So two hours a day is like going to work 90 days in a row with no weekends off and no vacation days off. That's the accumulative effect of how much technology we are doing. Mm. And sometimes I'll have teenagers that are doing, you know, four, six hours of video games and even Mm -hmm. more. And I get it's hard right now with COVID. So again, there's no judgment, but I'd still try to make the point of, you know, what else could you be doing to help yourself? What Mm -hmm. else could you be doing to help your family? What else could you be doing to help someone else in the community? Um, It's not just, let me just fill my time with this mindless stuff. Mm -hmm. Which then, I mean, that to me also feeds into the idea that connection is a separate thing, right? And I think that it can be difficult. Like one of the things that I will hear from the families I work with is they have to have TikTok or Roblox or, you know, the video game that that's the only way that they really get to communicate with their friends. And sometimes, you know, with the kids I work with and families, I do kind of feel this like, I don't know how to create for them true connection, but that's not true connection. You're exactly right. It's not connection. It's some limited, but it's not a meaningful presence one-on-one with the other. And then walking through the mall or, you know, going through the grocery store or Costco, wherever you're going. And, you know, you just see these little toddlers just glued to the iPad. And I just am thinking, what are we teaching them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from such an early age? Mm -hmm. When I think about having downtime, and and sometimes my kids really struggle with that downtime, right? Like if they're in the car and they're like, what? I can't do anything. This is, you know, what am I going to do? I realize that, you know, even me taking a little bit of time to sit down and rest or, I don't know, read, the guilt that comes up. And I feel like we've, our society really mm-hmm. encourages like the busier you are, the better it is. And I just feel like we all need to take a hard look at that and see how we're, you know, listening to that and incorporating that and how we want to fight that. Yes. Well, and if you think about the stress response, that fight or flight response, again, again, going back thousands of years ago, or even to a deer in the wild, you know, if something starts to chase that deer, 
within a few minutes, either the predator is going to get the deer or the deer is going to escape. Mm-hmm. A few minutes, it's either eaten or it's back to tending its babies and finding food. But we are 24 7 mm-hmm. stressed out. And that, that fight or flight response is not designed for long term use, it is short term to escape a danger. I'm curious. I don't I don't know how much research there is right now, but clearly the stats you had on kind of longevity and disease prevention with this. I'm curious what that long-term stress is going is creating in terms of disease or um I, I it just seems like it's hammering at our bodies. Absolutely, and it goes down to the level of our genes. Mm-hmm. So, have you heard of the term epigenetics? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, For those of you out there who have not heard this term, we all inherit genes from our parents. And we get the genes that we get, but whether genes are expressed or not depends on our lifestyle. So type 2 diabetes runs in my family. Heart disease runs in my family. Mm -hmm. But I get to choose my lifestyle choices to try to decrease the odds of me getting it. And so based on our lifestyle, the genes can turn on and off like a light switch. And there are studies out there that prove it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it goes down to our epigenetic changes. And then once we have those epigenetic changes in place, they can last for two to three generations. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. So, and and let me ask you this, if a mom's listening to this and they're like, but what am I going to do with my kid? Like they, like, I I can't, if I, if if I'm not going to give them Xbox or iPad. How do I transition my kid to downtime? How do I help our moms do this? And so I think it's just baby steps and being gentle with yourself and realize that, you know, you're not alone. Everybody else is in the same boat. I think trying to establish, you know, rules and boundaries, just that, you know, the technology needs to go off at a certain time so that we can go to sleep on time. You know, the lights come in to to our brains and tell our brains to stop, you know, to stay awake. Um, So we want to try to have those hard and fast times. If they need it for school, then try to do the schoolwork earlier in the day or at least get those blue blocking glasses. They can be helpful to some degree, not ideal, but just starting to just set some boundaries that, you know, you've got these tech-free zones and let's just try to come up with one thing to try to be creative. So just baby steps and just be gentle with yourself. I always tell my patients, you know, sometimes we zig and we zag and, you know, there are no failures or just lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, there might be a lot of backlash. The kids might push real hard. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can really believe how important this is for their long-term health, I, I can, it, it mm-hmm. sounds like a good reason to stand your ground. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and being a parent is not a popularity contest. <laughs> no, no. I'm not I, your friend. Yes. I'm not your friend. <laughs> I always say that sometimes, you know, we're, we know we're parenting correctly if they're angry with us. You know, like if they if they like us too much, we're probably not doing a good job. <laughs> you know, and your job as a parent is not to make your child, you know, happy every moment That's of the right. day. They've got to find it for themselves. We mm-hmm. provide the structure and the, the modeling and we need to model better ourselves. And I'm included in that. I'm, again, I'm not, yeah. I'm not perfect. So to ask one question about the movement, because I think for so long people have just thought about exercise and moving their bodies for weight management. And I think that's a really hard motivator. Um, and, and I'd love to hear kind of why else we need to consider movement as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so movement is one of the biggest things that you can do to prevent cognitive decline long term. 
Um, so when we exercise, our brains make a couple of different proteins um, that actually make our brains grow, and it also makes our brains produce blood vessels to supply that blood growth. It is can be just as helpful to minimize and stave off anxiety and depression. Now, of course, mm -hmm. some kids absolutely do need medication, and absolutely we do that sometimes. But I still try to encourage, you know, there are some things that you can do on your own that we've got to get away from this pill for an ill mentality. Mm -hmm. And it helps move your poop through, too. I mean, I'd say, <laughs> do you have a dog at home? What happens when the dog runs around outside? He's got to go poop. And, of course, we see so many constipated kids all the time. Uh -huh. I'm like, get outside and move. Get everything moving. <laughs> <laughs> and drink water. That's the other thing. So yeah. I always tell my patients, do you want to um, go down a water slide with water or without? You want to go. You want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that picture. I think that right. that probably turns kids very easily into water drinkers. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering a little bit about what appointments with you are like, because I'm imagining um, when I typically take my kiddos to the pediatrician, um, it's in and out like you know, weight measure, everything looks good and off we go. Like, tell me a little bit about what appointments look like for you. So well visits, of course, we go over the growth chart and see what vaccines need to be given. And then I go through eating, I go through avoiding and elimination. We go through sleep and development. Mm -hmm. um, as they get older, high school activities and, you know, ask about alcohol use and that sort of thing. And I just ask, well, how often are you doing this? I never ask, do you or don't you? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I've learned to read them at this point, but mm -hmm. um, you just don't ask. It's like a toddler. You never ask them a yes or no question because they're <laughs> going to say no. Um, so you learn the ways to, to ask around it. But I really, um, I, I mean, I talk about this, you know, the food and the mm -hmm. eating. Um, and even when it comes to a problem visit, if I have a child that comes in for headache or bellyache, um, we go through the basics. They're coming in for anxiety. They're coming in for depression. We go over the basics mm -hmm. every single time. Now, mm -hmm. it does take more time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I spend time with my patients and I'm not going to run them in and out. Yeah. I won't. They yeah. can fire me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, but it, and it, the nice thing is, is it sounds like you've gotten a lot of support for that. Like, I mean, I think that I would imagine that this is probably an area of medicine that's growing. It is growing. It mm -hmm. absolutely is growing. So I've been learning about the whole food plant-based nutrition for about 10 years uh -huh. and it's really made strides. I mean, I've seen, especially over the last three to four years, there's been an explosion and awareness of plant-based nutrition. Now, a lot of it is processed, so mm -hmm. don't think that's a, a good way to go about it. Um, but in that, I mean, there is a national growing movement for the health benefits as well as um, the environmental benefits of the whole food plant-based nutrition. And then just the lifestyle in terms of, you know, our healthcare costs are not sustainable. Yes. I mean, this generation of kids are estimated to live lesser of a life in terms of length of life than we do. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's mm -hmm. terrifying. It is. Mm -hmm. I, I think what's so great about lifestyle medicine is it's really accessible to everyone, right? I mean, these are changes that you can just really think about. What can I do? I don't, you know, I don't have to invest thousands of dollars in this. I can just really learn about what whole food looks like. We can find a way to move our bodies. We can rest. Like that's simple stuff that every family can work hard to bring into their life. And again, you just where am I? Assess, no judgment, no criticism, just where are we? Mm -hmm. What's, what are one or two things that we can work on this week and keep going? And then in another week or two, well, what else can we do? And just kind of add to it. And it does make a difference. Yeah. I'm really grateful for 
this perspective on things. I'm kind of mentally putting together all of the different projects that may be initiated in the daily house. (laughs) (laughs) They always love it when I come back with new ideas. But I mean, the thing is, is that it is stuff that is so accessible. And I think just thinking about the idea of how that affects folks for the long term, it makes a really big difference to, to want to prioritize how do we take really good care of ourselves. And you mentioned about, you know, our outdated philosophy of just all weight loss is just eat less, exercise more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, you really can't outrun a bad diet, mm-hmm. you can't. Um, and the reason that whole foods, mostly plants are important is um, when it comes to the microbiome in our intestines. So um, there's all about probiotics and gut health and that sort of thing. Well, we actually have more microbes that live on our bodies and in our bodies and those microbes outnumber our human cells by a factor mm. of, I think, at like at least 10 to 1, somewhere thereabouts. And so in our intestines, we can feed a better, more helpful, protective group of gut bacteria or a more harmful, inflammatory one. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Well, the preferred fuel choice for the healthy microbes in the intestines is fiber, mm-hmm. not fiber from a supplement, mm-hmm. but fiber from a wide variety of whole food plants. And you can't get any fiber at all from meat, dairy, fish, eggs. There's no fiber, and the processed foods have very little because of the processing itself. Mm-hmm. And so one of the best books I read um, last summer was um, Fiber Fueled. He's by an adult GI, Dr. out of Charleston, South Carolina, Dr. Will Bolshewitz. I hope I didn't butcher his name. <laughs> um, but here's the Cliff Notes version. The first part was that you can feed a more helpful group of gut bacteria. But your goal is to try to eat at least 30 different plants, whole plant foods a week. Now, don't freak out on me. That's what I tell my <laughs> moms in my practice. Just don't freak out. Okay? So if you make a smoothie in the morning and you put three berries, a handful of spinach, a spoonful of almond butter and maybe some chia seeds well you've just put what six or seven different plants in one smoothie or a big pot of vegetable soup or a Mm -hmm. big chopped salad what I call a kitchen sink salad with lots of different veggies and um, so if you really just intentionally go through your week it's really not that difficult to do but the wider variety of plant foods that we consume feeds more beneficial gut bacteria, Mm -hmm. and also fermented foods too. So unpasteurized pickles or sauerkraut or kimchi, um, things like that. And one of the things I think I've seen is you've actually really involved your kids in the, in like the making of the food. Like it seems like you've really like worked to, to help keep them invested in making some of those choices. All right. I have to admit, I, when I started reading all this, I rammed it down their throats. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I have type 2 diabetes in my family pretty mm-hmm. strongly. I mean, and I watched my father pass away his last 10 years of life. I mean, he very led, I mean, just the last 10 years of his life, he was pretty weak and debilitated. And, and I'm an older mom. I had my first one at 38, my second at 42. And mm-hmm. after watching him, and then my husband's father also died of type 2 diabetes related complications. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want my kids to see that. I don't want them to watch us end our lives mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my husband was on board. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. I, and it wasn't like I tried to convince him. Just every now and then, I'm like, God, Lee, would you just listen to this? And I would just mm-hmm. give him a little, I mean, I can't believe this. This is so incredible. And so after just sprinkling little nuggets, just unintentionally, I mean, he's like, wow, let's do this. And so he's on board. But when I started, 
started with my kids, I was a bit of a bull in a china shop and Mm -hmm. that was too much and Mm -hmm. I had to back off. Mm -hmm. So again, I've lived and I've learned. Um, (laughs) So I think it's just doing it in a more productive way. My older one now, she likes to cook. Mm -hmm. um, And so she'll make um, amazing plant-based meals for us sometime. And I love it on Mondays and Wednesdays when I come home and she's made something. But she started to recognize too, I feel better when I eat this. So if we go out to a restaurant, this is just too greasy. I just... This, they, didn't, they didn't need to use all this oil. Yeah. Um, so all I can do is, you know, try to provide the structure that they connect the dots. I love that. I love that. Well, Laura, I am super grateful for your time today. And I know our listeners are probably going to have a lot of questions. Um, where, where can people find you? Um, I am in the process of working on a, a blog. My husband has <laughs> been encouraging me for that for a while. So it's in process. Okay. So in the meantime, you're at Elizabeth Pediatrics mm-hmm. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep yeah. looking out for Dr. Laura Pridemore and her blog because I think you have a lot to teach people. Thank you. Agreed. Well, as soon as you launch it, you'll have to let us know and we'll put it on our Instagram yes. page so all you curious mothers can find Dr. Pridemore. Thank yes. you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Please join our community in 